Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So on the first night of the NFL draft, we sat around knowing the Bucks had the 27th overall pick, and we waited, and they had the party at Raymond James Stadium, and there's a lot of people there, and they waited, and then it got to around, you know, 25, 26, and we were still waiting. It got to be about close to 11.30 or so, and then they made us wait until the next day <laughs> because the Bucks took nobody um, and it's been a while since they've sort of abdicated their first round pick, uh, in, in the manner that they did, but they traded, uh, into the second round. They picked up an extra second round pick with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so that meant that they got to sleep on it. Um, meatloaf. Remember that song? Baby, baby, let's sleep on it. Um, and so they fielded a lot of trade offers and, and there's a real advantage to, if you don't have the first pick overall, if you get the first pick on Friday, and then, as it turned out, because of their trade with Jacksonville, they also had the first pick on on Saturday. So in both instances, you know, they could go back, they could watch tape, they could really evaluate. They had the entire field in front of them, and they could take the best player that they thought was there, and they did so. But I don't know. Like, we're going to get into this draft and, and kind of go through their picks. Um there are some definite themes, and they, there is something to what is a, a buccaneer man these days. But for as much as we always say, hey, they're going to take the best player on their board, best player available, I've always said this. What they mean is the best player available at the position of their biggest need. And, you know, when, when Jason Light talked before the draft, a week before, he talked about, quote-unquote, perceived needs. Well, the perceived needs were the needs, and those are the ones they addressed. And so they moved down you know, to number 33. They did take some offers, I guess, overnight, um, but they still ended up with Logan Hall, who is a, a defensive tackle from the University of Houston, a big dude. He's like 6'5", 6'6", um, long arms, all that stuff. He just turned 22 years old. In fact, there's a really good stat that Tom Brady um, was drafted by the New England Patriots, I want to say, on the 16th of April of 2000. And you know what happened six days later? This guy was born. <laughs> Logan Hall was born like six days after Tom Brady began his NFL career. Okay, So, yes, we have a player now. Uh, who is not as old as Tom Brady's career? That was just drafted uh, with the first pick the Bucks had, which is in the second round after they traded down. Um, and we said this going in, you know, the the perceived needs thing that Jason Light talked about in the in the ramp up. Perceived is when you don't resign in Don McConsu. Um, there's no perception about it. it. It's a reality. You need a defensive tackle, and you and you clearly want to get younger because. Sue's 35 years old. You re-sign William Golston, who's five years younger than Sue. And 
who are you going to put next to Vita Vea, who you've just signed to a long-term contract for the next four to six years? Um, you know, this Hall guy, he's, he's still ascending. Like I said, only 22 years old, has a huge upside. Six and a half sacks. You know, he played good. He played really good against your Cincinnati Bearcat team, Steve, um, when they played mm-hmm. them in the AAC championship. Oh, he was very good. He was yeah. very good. Uh, not that the, I don't think the Bearcats line was very good that day, but, you know, we'll get into that later. 13 and a half tackles for loss. A really nice kid, I guess, uh, uh, from a military family. Very humble, understated, all that stuff. Has has a mean streak, obviously, when he plays. And the good thing about him, like, he's got a little bit of pass rush to him. Well, actually, a lot of pass rush to him. And, and, he, and he, he pursues the ball well. He hustles. He does all those things. And he's long. Guards have a tough time with his length because um, – you know, as you know, the hand placement is everything when you're playing inside. Things happen quicker. Um, and if the play goes away from him, he's able to use his length and his reach and, and close it down. So I like Logan Hall. He was one of the 30 for 30 visits. But what's weird about it, a little bit strange about it was they clearly wanted to pick up an extra draft pick. Um, otherwise, they could have stayed where they were. They they let some good players. They said that They said that Hall was the last player – that they had that they would have taken at 27. And that meant that the guys that went before, they also had rated higher than Hall. So here's who they gave away. And I, I actually think that part of this was they were influenced by the fact that at 26, the pick before them, the New York Jets took uh, Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher from Florida State, who mm-hmm. was really, I think, underdrafted, if you will. I like I like the Jets draft, and that was a good pick. So after he was gone, they traded out. The Jaguars took Devin Lloyd, a linebacker from Utah. It's a tremendous story, um, and he's an inside linebacker. You could have used him as a pass rusher for a while, or and then after next year, if you know Levante David was gone or whatever, you'd have you know you'd have a couple linebackers there. Um, after that, the Packers traded uh, up, I believe. I'm not sure have to check on that but they took Devontae Wyatt and that's the guy that most mock drafts had the Bucks taking from Georgia man there were a lot of Georgia players drafted in this draft no, no wonder 15 yeah. 15 my goodness my goodness and some schools didn't have any Texas um, yeah Texas right and then after that uh there's a little bit of hilarity ensued because I saw where the Rams were laughing at New England's pick they took uh Cole Strange from Tennessee, Chattanooga. Some people had him rated as as low as the fourth round, um, but they took him there. And then 30 uh, to Kansas City was George uh, Carliftis. Um, was a good Greek guy, actually raised in Greece. Uh, my wife is fond of him, and uh, he's the edge rusher from Purdue. And then Cincinnati took Dax Hill, the safety from Michigan, your guy, going to your Bengals. Good player. He's an Yeah, he's an interesting player because I don't know if he's – a standout at any one thing he does, but he does everything. Does a lot well. Like, yeah. He'll he can guard man to man. He can guard tight ends. He can play the mm-hmm. run. He can. He's just a versatile safety. Yeah, and then the next guy, um, the Bucks were linked to a lot, and I think they liked him and would have taken him at twenty seven as well. He could have been one of those guys, or he was one of those guys um, on the board that uh, that they really liked, and that was Lewis Lewis Seen um, from Georgia, the safety. He was the final pick of the night. So we sat there <laughs> the entire night, ate a lot, uh, had a lot of sodas and things like that, 
Um, didn't talk to anybody. Like Jason Light didn't come down. It's like, well, he didn't make a pick. Well, yeah, well, if you talk about We'd that. We'd like to know about you know? that. Yeah, like what, why don't we talk about him not making a pick and why he decided and what he thinks you know will be on the board for him tomorrow. But we didn't get that opportunity. So we showed up the next day. And um, that's that's of course where they when they took uh, Logan Hall, uh, and they did like I said they did get some offers from other teams and whatnot. Um, but you know Hall like to me, look it's hard you're never going to get good grades in these things you know from the experts or the so called experts when you pick this low because obviously you know a lot of teams you know people didn't believe that there were you know, 32 guys that deserved a first-round grade in this draft. There's a lot of good players in the draft, but it was deep second, third, fourth, fifth round, that sort of thing. Um, I I assume if they would have taken Logan Hall at 27 that they had a first-round grade on him, and good for them they got him in the second round. The bad news about getting him in the second round is you lost your fifth-year option. Um, if you take a guy 1 through 32, then you have a club option in the fifth year. Now, if Logan Hall turns out to be what you hope he is – He's a free agent after four years, and you, you know, in short order, have to try to re-sign him or lose him to free agency. Um, and so then the, the draft pick they picked up, and and you know we'd heard so much about you know Aaron Stinney and Robert Hainsey and how yeah it was it was too bad Ali Marpet retired, but you know what we're good there. We have guys that have played continuity all this stuff, and then they took a guard out of Central Michigan, um, Luke Godeke. And that was kind of that was not. Look, it was another need. Like if you're ranking the needs, you say, "Well, Marpet left. You need a guard." You'd say um, they didn't resign Sue. You need a defensive tackle. So that's how they went one two for them off the board. But I think you could line up and play with Stinney and, and Hainsey. I don't know that you know this guy's going to have to be a heck of a player. And to your point, you said this before the podcast, he's going to push those other guys if nothing else, right? Well, now you got competition. It ain't Stinney's job for sure. No. Uh-uh. Or Haynes. I mean, now yeah. these guys have competition. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's, it's you know, now it, there's there's a battle going on now. You don't you didn't move up to take a second round pick to sit him like Kyle Trask all last year. No. No. And and go to Key's a nut job by the way. He's fun. Um he he grew up in a little, little town in Wisconsin. He went to he he said coming out of high school, he was 220 pounds. He goes, "My high school was so 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 small." <laughs> How small was it? My high school was so small that we had drive your tractor to school day. <laughs> Does that mean so if he, they win the uh, Lombardi Trophy that he's going to drive the tractor around Raymond James Stadium? Yes, it does. I thought of that. And Devin White would be behind him on uh, whatever his horse's name is now. Um, yeah, he could. He could be carrying the Lombardi with him in the backhoe or whatever. Um, but, yeah, so Luke Godeke, so he, he, he uh, went to – he wasn't recruited out of high school by anyone, really. He was a tight end. That was the other thing. He was a tight end. And he ended up at Wisconsin's Steven, Stevens Point, I believe. He walked on. And he played okay there, and he was still a tight end. And then he went to Central Michigan um, on a visit, and he was looking to walk on or thinking about walking on. And on the spot, he sent around his film to all these teams, and on the spot, they offered him a scholarship. So he, he ended up. Switching positions at Central Michigan became, um, you know, a really good offensive lineman, and he's nasty. He's like, you look, I I chew glass. <laughs> he's like, I chew glass, and I'm dirty, and I get down and dirty, and I want to I want to kill people. I want to like just destroy their will, and 
you know, so he's got a lot of Ryan Jensen in him. Um, and, and that's a good thing, right? Cause he's going to fit right in with those guys, um, that the Bucks have up front. So he'll, he's going to come in with some big expectations and, and a lot of competition. As you said, guys are not going to want to give that job up. Um, so they, they go to the third round and now you're at 91 and with, with this pick, they said, we just went with the highest guy on our board. Well, it turned out to be a running back, um, Richard White out of Arizona state. And I called coach Herm. Herm Edwards, oh, coach, you play to win the game. You play to draft the running back. Uh, he was he was funny talking about Rashad. Rashad has a story, too. He's another guy. And this is a theme with the Bucks again this year, and it has been in the past, where they find guys that overachieve just as people. You know, like White came from, I think he's, I think he's from Nebraska, and he went to a small school, and then he ended up at a JUCO in L.A., and at some point, he was putting together office furniture at 4 o'clock in the morning to make, out, make ends meet. Um, and then eventually, he, he made his way to Arizona State. And when he got to play, man, he was really, really good. He had over 1,000 yards, um, 6.5 yards of carry. But more importantly for this team, he caught 48 balls. And he's a natural pass catcher. And he's, he's like 6'1". He's not, he's not the kind of running back you're used to seeing. He's very tall, um, pretty lean you know, fluid, like a real fluid guy, um, you know, runs, has a real patient running style down around the goal line. I think he scored like a ton of touchdowns, man, like 14 touchdowns or something like that. And Herm says, he's, oh, he's a good football player, good football player now. Tom's going to love him. Tell Tom, you're going to love him because right, he, ca- he catches the ball. And he goes, oh, he catches the ball now. Catch the ball, coach. So that's where they got him, 48 receptions. And if you look at the running back room, you go, well, they re-signed, you know, Leonard Fournette, and he got some good money, $7.5 million a year or whatever. But you know what? Fournette, to me, he's a bell cow type. He's a three-down back and all that stuff. But not, like, you can throw screens with him. He's not going to run option routes. He's not going to split out wide to the right and beat a linebacker off the line of scrimmage as, like, a, almost a, an extra wide out. Like, there's, there's some limitations to what he does in the passing game, even though – He's caught as many as like 77 passes or something like that in his career in a season. So Tom trusts him in protection. He trusts him in a lot of different roles. But they got Giovanni Bernard, who who's old, quite frankly, and, and he was hurt a lot last year. And then you have Keyshawn Vaughn. So this guy, again, talking about this being, you know, the possible last year of Brady, certainly with the Bucs and maybe ever, you got to be all in. It's got to be all hands on deck. What impact can this pick have? Well, Richard White, Richard White, I want to call him Richard. Richard White might end up being, um, you know, like James White. You know, he might be that guy that can can really make plays out of the backfield that Tom wants to dump the ball to. Um, in the fourth round, again, going back to those needs. Okay, how do you rank them? Defensive tackle. I wouldn't have had offensive guard next. You know what I would have had? Tight end. Well, they got their tight end, Kate Otten, out of Washington. And and there's a theme here too. Uh, this team drafted Sean Murphy Bunting out of Central Michigan. They've drafted plenty of players out of the University of Washington, including last year's first-round pick, you know, in Joe Tryon Shawinka. Um, so they get Kate Otten, and he was a semifinalist for the, the Mackey Award, which is for the best tight end in, in the NFL. What's good about Cade uh, is that he's a complete tight end. He's, he, can, he can be your inline blocker. He does a really good job in the run game. Um, you know, can catch the ball pretty well. 
I did read one 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 synopsis said that uh, he's dropped some some balls in clutch situations, which is not very uh, very good. But who knows? These people all have opinions. So Otten gives them now another tight end to go with Cam Brait, you know, and um, and McElroy and those guys. We don't know about Gronk. This doesn't mean that Gronk isn't coming back. Gronk continues to say he's undecided. Um, he has decided that if he plays, it's going to be here in Tampa Bay, so that helps. But anyway, they cover themselves with Otten. If they need an inline blocker, if they need a starting tight end, he's your guy. And then in the fourth round with their second fourth round pick, 133 overall, um, they went to special teams, and this is a need. And I'll say this about the Bucs. They're not afraid to draft special teamers, you know, and good for them. I mean, I, they, they bombed out on Roberto Aguayo. It didn't work out at least the first year with Matt Gay, who then went on and won a Super Bowl against these guys and had the game-winning kick for the Rams a year ago. Um, and so, you know, this is this time it was a punter. Um, Jake Camarda from Georgia. Boy, Georgia. Would they have, Steve, 17 players? Is that what you told me, 15, 17? 15, 15, which is a record. goodness gracious. 15 players off the national champions. Um, this dude can hit it. Like, they were <laughs> – I think John Spitek, the uh, vice president of player personnel, was at – the national championship game, and he kicked them out of trouble from like their own 10 to the other 10. Like he, in the bigger games, he just has a naturally strong leg. Um, he's quite an athlete too. Like just, and he's funny. He's like, well, you know, I don't want to be the prototypical kicker. So I'm a pretty good athlete. Yeah. You ran four five something at the 40. You ran better than like, I don't know, six or seven running backs at the combine. Um, said he used to play flag football. He's played baseball before and all that stuff. But a 45.8 average and 17 kicks of more than 60 yards. Um, and so I think what's great about that is is that in the NFL, it's all about field position. You need someone to be able to flip it. Bradley Pinion, I think, will be cut from this football team now because he has close to $3 million on, uh, as a contract this year, but none of it is guaranteed. And he finished last year 34th in punting average with like 42 and a half yards per punt. And there's only 32 teams. So out and of he wasn't 30, that great in the postseason. No, no. He was, remember, he kicked off twice out of bounds against the Rams. Yeah, like the I Rams remember a shanked help. punt too. Yes, yes. And now he did, he did hurt his quad. Like at one point, you know, he missed the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had to bring in, you know, another punter, Hoff Richter from uh, actually from Armwood. But that aside, when you've got a three million dollar salary and it's not guaranteed, and they just drafted a punter, yeah, you're probably you're probably looking to uh, to move on. So Jake Kamada gets that job, and he thinks he'll be fine because he kicked in a lot of big games. So many, all the big games you can kick in, he did so in college. Um, the fifth round, we went to Saturday, and the fifth round was interesting because uh, you know they got. I mean, this is what you'd expect. You get some guys that are are prospects as much as anything, and but the one guy they got rates as the greatest athlete I think of all time in the combine. Dude named Zion McCallum out of Sam Houston State, uh, and this guy played a long time there and had 13 career interceptions and 45 or 54 pass breakups. He played in 44 games at Sam Houston State. And he's a twin, by the way. He has a twin brother that plays safety. 
and I want to I can't remember what team that he ended up with either as either drafted or a free agent. Uh, but they're twin brothers and they played on the same defense. And so Zion was either at the Senior Bowl or Combine, and he said one of the Buck scouts that he talked to, because he talked to a bunch of them, told him, "Hey, if you run four four, you're a, you're you're going to be a Buccaneer." And it was probably rhetoric. It was probably like, "Hey, man, you can do everything, but we got to see your speed." He went out and ran a sub four four. So I think it was four three five, something like that, at six foot one, um, nearly two hundred two hundred pounds. So he is a uh, depending on the metrics you, you listen to or you read about, uh, one of them showed that he was the best uh, athlete in the draft, you know, because of his vertical jump was like 30-something, 30 39 inches, I think, something crazy like that. So they got themselves not only a, a really good player, versatile player, guy to help on special teams right away, but when you talk to him, man, he's so impressive. Like this dude, he just gets it, you know. Um, film junkie, wants to make guys around him better, yada, yada, like he – you know, he's not going to back down from anybody. This is his dream, and and he's pretty excited about it. And then, you know, at the end of the draft, you know, you get Co uh, Keeft, who is a, you know, a tight end from Minnesota. He's been there six years. <laughs> um, very red beard, like just just a blocking tight end, right? Just a guy, he had 12 career catches, um, and, you know, he was kind of an all-conference honorable mention, but uh, real excited to come and, and a character I think that uh, the Bucks will enjoy. And like I said, they needed numbers. They needed numbers as much as anything in tight end, regardless of what Gronk does. Their final pick, 248, was an edge rusher, Andre Anthony out of LSU. They've had a lot of success with these LSU players. Anthony, um, I think, rehabbed from one injury, had three and a half sacks early, and then suffered a torn ACL, I believe. And so he's coming back from the knee. He's he's way ahead of schedule. He's you know he feels good that way, um, so you know he lasted long because of the injury. And if if he can get it back together, um, you know he's a real good looking prospect. And I think I think he'll do well. But that was your draft. And then they went about the business of signing like thirteen other undrafted free agents, which we won't get into because of the length of the podcast. But let me just say this: that there's about two or three receivers that are fast as they can be. And it's a surprising thing, maybe, and this is why they lasted so long in the draft, but the Bucks seem anxious to get them, is that they're about 5'8 or 5'9. And what I'm going to say is a prediction. I will predict, and you know, Chris Godwin will be back at some point, maybe for the first game, I don't know. We know that Chris plays inside, plays the slot receiver a lot, and that's because in Bruce Arians' def- offense, um, that receiver is used a lot to crack back uh, on linebackers and defensive linemen in the run game. He really sticks his nose and puts his head, his face in the fan, as they say. And and so Bruce Arians has always used a much bigger uh, flanker, wide receiver, whatever, in the slot because he wants to use utilize him in the run game. And that's why you haven't seen, you know, sort of the quintessential slot receivers that Brady is used to uh, or was used to with the Danny Amendola's and you know Julian Edelman and um, those kind of guys. So what I'm going to predict based on you know they they didn't really draft a receiver, but then when they went into the undrafted free agents, they got three and all those guys undersized for the most part, five eight, five nine, blazing speed. You know what I think? I think we're going to have the return of guys like Amendola and Edelman. And I, I think it's going to happen this year. 
start with uh, this Western Kentucky wide receiver, Jareth Stearns. This cat won the Triple Crown in college football and receiving. And there's only been, um, in the last 20 years, I think there's been he's the third receiver to do it, where you lead the nation and catch his yards and touchdowns. The other two, probably heard of them, Michael Crabtree did it in 07 with Texas Tech, and Devontae Smith, who was terrific, of course, did it in 2020. Well, Stearns did it th- uh, this past year. He had 150 receptions for Western Kentucky for 1,902 yards and 17 touchdowns. In fact, he was so good, his quarterback ended up getting drafted in the fourth round by the Patriots. But the dude is five foot seven, and that's why he lasted so long. And but but still, he he did it. You know, I mean, this is not NAIA. Like, I mean, this did he did it in Division One, and he he you know against the better teams like like Michigan State, seventeen for one eighty six. Um, you know, all of that. Uh, he had been like at Houston Baptist before that, and he transferred. But he's a freakish athlete, four five eight at his pro day, forty inch, forty inch vertical. Um, so he can he can sky as well. And then uh, you know you got some other receivers in this bunch. Uh, Devin Tompkins from Utah State. Uh, he's another guy that had crazy numbers: one hundred and two catches for seventeen hundred yards. 1704 and, and 10 touchdowns. Uh, now, the problem is, again, he's even smaller than Stearns. He's five foot six and seven eighths. He's almost five seven and only weighs 167 at, at his pro day. So, really, really, really small dudes, you know, but productive dudes. Uh, Kalen uh, Geiger out of Texas Tech was another one that they signed. And he had, by comparison, you know, not many catches, 44 for 533, but again, small, diminutive, 5'9", 172. Um, but he caught, you know, caught plenty of balls um, before he, he ended up going to uh, Texas Tech. He was at Troy. He was um, at Navarro College and stuff like that. So he did a lot of work there. So they got three receivers uh, that are, you know, going to be in the rookie mini camp that were undrafted. And all three of them re- remind me just like physically of some of those smaller, smallish uh, slot receivers that we saw Brady have so much success with, you know, when he when he played in New England. So I think you're going to see some of that utilized, you know, and that might be good for Scotty Miller too. Scooter Miller might get in there a little bit. Going to see some changes on offense and some tweaks because – you know, it's become Tom Brady's offense, and now you've got a guy like Todd Bowles who's going to defer even more to Brady because he's a defensive coach. And I think I think if Brady, Brady might get some things done that Bruce would never consider. And one of those would be, you know, how about a quick, uh, maybe smaller, but nonetheless more available slot receiver that's not going to help you in the run game, but they can run great routes and make, you know, make yards after the catch and stuff like that. I think you'll probably see more of that with the players they drafted. So, and or actually signed, didn't draft, but signed after the draft as an undrafted free agent. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. All right, so here's the thing, and we'll get, we'll get into the draft, and, and we've got the mini camp coming up a week from now, and there's going to be plenty to talk about with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's no doubt about that. But the big event this week begins this week. Finally, we are here. We are at the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. The Lightning open their uh, push for a third consecutive Stanley Cup, which is un- unbelievable. Hadn't been done in over 40 years. They are at Toronto tonight, the last game that they played against the Islanders. Your boy, Steven Stamkos, with a hat trick if you need him. 42 goals on the season. What a year. And I, I don't know what's going to happen over these next you know couple weeks or maybe it'll only be a few days, less than that. Who knows? But, man, did Steven Stamkos go out and, and, and prove people that, you know, like, like myself to some degree, thought he was through. He is not through. He had an unbelievable year, and it's really cool to see him at the top of his game when they enter the playoffs. He's, to me, he's the team MVP this year. And if you think about it, you know, you didn't yeah, expect I would, this out I of I wouldn't him. agree with that. No, I would agree with that. But he carried the team, and you could argue Alex Kalorn really running the season too, when Kucherov and Point were out. You know, it's not like he's gotten 42 goals with Kuch playing beside him the whole season. Kuch missed almost half a season, I think 35 games. And we know how much Kuch drives that offense, and, and it kind of runs through him, and particularly on the power play, but even in, in five-on-five play. That Stamkos has been maybe the most steady player all season long on this team. And, you know, it just shows you, and he even talked about how, you know, the thing that's, you know, that he's happiest about is proving people wrong, is how many people had written off his career at this point. And it shows you that we don't always know what players are going through health-wise. Because we haven't seen Steven Stamkos skate this well in years. We haven't seen him shoot this well in years. Right. You know, and, and he even talked about Kucherov and, and you know, how you don't realize players coming back from injury just because your back doesn't mean you're 100%. Correct, yeah. It doesn't mean, you know, what you're going through. And every injury is different. Every player is different. But mm-hmm. to see Steven Stamkos at this point in his career in this 14th season have this kind of output, his first 100-point season ever, 42 goals. Wow. In in his 14th season, I mean that, those are incredible numbers, and he's he's doing well on faceoffs. He's one of the best on the team in faceoffs. Yep. I mean he's playing a complete game, and they're going to need that in the playoffs against the Maple Leafs. Yeah, he's he's been terrific, and it's good that your best players you know need to play great when you get to the to the postseason. I th- I think we're going to see you know a lot more um, from various guys, but the, the fact that Cooch is playing so well and he's set up, he's been, you know, assisted on a lot of these goals, 42 goals, man. I mean, if not for some, you know, a, a bounce off the post there or a, you know, miss here, the dude was, you know, could have, could have had a 50 goal season, which is just mm-hmm. unfathomable to think about. But yeah, the, the well over a hundred points, the tear that he went on the last, what, 13, 14 games, um, that hasn't happened in the league in a number of years. Now, he's the NHL's player of the month, or their first stars, they they call it. Yes and, and, yes, and deservedly so. I mean, three weeks ago, who would have thought he would have had 100 points or 42 goals? Yeah, it wasn't I mean, close. It wasn't close. And he's mm. been on a tear 
getting ready for the playoffs and, and you know, leading this team down the stretch. And, and mm-hmm. that's what you want to see from your captain and your best players. And it's, love it's, to see it. if it can continue into the playoffs, it's a good sign for the Lightning. So here's the thing. Tell me I'm wrong about this because you know the National Hockey League and especially Toronto, which <laughs> is there a little pressure to play up there, you think? Um, what is everybody thinking? If you're if you're a Toronto fan, you know they've had a great season and they're actually seated higher than the Lightning, but here comes the Lightning, right? And here comes mm-hmm. the aforementioned Steven Stamkos, your guy, right, that you wanted in Toronto that – you know, to have a tough time walking down the street there. And here he comes in with the lightning. And are you thinking, you know, we got these guys, we're better, we got home ice? Or are you thinking, here we go again, we may not win a playoff series, and they're going to beat us with one of our guys? I think if you're the fans, you might be thinking that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think players think that way. No. I think, if anything, look – if you're a player, okay, Boston's given us fits in the playoffs and keeps knocking us out. We don't have to True. face them. Mm-hmm. We don't have to face Montreal, who knocked us out last year after we were up 3-1. to one. Right. We get to go up against the two-time Stanley Cup champions. If there's nothing else that focuses you in a series, yeah, that's true. that does it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you want to, to be the best, you got to beat the best. Right. Well, you're getting them right off the shoot. Yeah. Now, yep. it may go bad for you, and you may get <laughs> you may lose another series, and and still not have won a playoff series since 2004. That's very possible. I mean, that's one of right. the things when you play the best, you may lose. But I think, mm-hmm. I think Toronto. If you're a player, you're embracing it. Yeah. Let's go get let you know. Forget the teams that have knocked down the past. We've never played them in the playoffs. Let's go beat the Stanley Cup champs. And if there's nothing that gets your attention. If that doesn't get your attention as a team, then nothing will. Now, fans, on the other hand, <laughs> you know, Jack Campbell lets in a soft goal early. Ooh, ooh. Or Steven Stamkos snipes one in the first three minutes of game yeah. one, and yeah, those yeah. fans might start squirming. <laughs> I mean, the fans are different than players. Yeah. You know, and they've got to start at home, so the pressure's on them. It really is. It really is. And I'm glad you said that because I've always thought that there's an immense amount of pressure when you start a playoff series, and maybe more so in in hockey, I don't know, than the other sports necessarily. But the expectations are so great. If you're playing at home those first two games, like you almost – you know, they expect you to sweep. They want to sweep. Anything less than that, uh, the other team wrestles home ice away. And I think when you're playing at home and you have those expectations that you can try to put on a show, that you can try to be, you know, uh, more up in the bit than you need to be and just sort of feeling a lot of pressure. I think there is pressure. I think there's pressure anyway. But I I think the expectation that you're going to win simply because you've got home ice is probably pretty unrealistic. And I would almost rather start a series on the road because I think you're playing with house money. You don't get the first one. You're like, okay. We'll come back, we'll win this one, and we'll go home 1-1, and we got home ice. Or, God forbid, if you win the first one, now you got a shot to really put a team in the hole down 2-0 going on the road to your place. So I think it's I think it's a great position for the Lightning to be in, to be honest with you. Most hockey coaches and players will tell you they'd rather start on the road in the playoffs. Really? But you well, want Game 7 at home. That makes sense. And that's yeah. the dichotomy. If you start on the road, you don't get Game 7 at home. 
That's true. Now, not every series gets to Game 7. but yeah, that And that's your goal, is yeah, not to get it to Game yeah. 7. I mean, most hockey players or coaches will tell you that the home ice and the home ice advantage isn't as great as you think it is in the playoffs. It's how mm-hmm. you play in that. I mean, there, the crowd affects it some, and, and some of the momentum, and you can ride that some. But yeah. it, it's... It's really it's not as impactful as some of the other sports as far as home ice. Now, Game Seven can be a different story. Although the last twenty-two times in the NHL a series has gone to Game Seven, I believe it's eleven eleven. Oh wow! So it's fifty-fifty. But you know, did the Lightning get benefit last year when they had Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Islanders at home? Did that help them? I think it did. Probably, yeah. Now they played a whale of a game, and they may have played the same game in New York, but. You want that game seven at home. Sure. But like you said, you go on the road, we just need to take one of these two. That's it. Play our game, take one. Yep. You know, they always say a series doesn't begin until a home team loses. Well, the other team's got the first two shots to lose at home if you start on the road. And and I you know, I don't think starting on the road with this lightning team phases them. They did it last year in Florida. It was a crazy game for game one. You know, that, that that game one last year in Florida was, if you've never watched hockey before in your life, go back and watch oh that playoff game. It was crazy. Oh. It wasn't the greatest played hockey game. No. But it may have been the most entertaining, exciting, playoff, physical, goal scoring, just nuts playoff game. Mm-hmm. And the Lightning weathered that and won on the road. Yep. You know, the Lightning, you know, aren't going to be scared of playing on the road, playing in Toronto, playing in wherever. It doesn't matter. I mean, that's yeah. kind of been their mantra all year. Just get in. Don't matter where we play. Right. It doesn't matter where we finish, who our opponent is. We're not worried about that. Let's just play. Our team's good. We're the two times defending champions. And, by the way, we've got the best goalie in the world who tied for the most wins in the NHL again. For the fifth straight year, he's led the NHL in wins. Never been done before. And he, and he sat out a lot of games on, the, on down the stretch. Yeah, he I mean, set they, out some. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he started the last one to get the tie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion and five shutouts now in clinching games. And the other guys aren't, you know. You know, so I, you, you take your – I mean, I'll take Vasilevsky in this Lightning team. And in a best-of-seven series, I like their chances. Now I like them too, but I, oh, I'll say this. What about the fact that Toronto also has the best – statistically anyway, mm-hmm. the best player in the game that has not only, you know, lit it up with against everybody, but particularly against the Lightning. Well, Matthews they, and Marner, they, I mean, everyone talks about McDavid and Drysaddle. Matthews and Marner may be the best duo in hockey. Mm-hmm. They have the best power play. Right. And they're going to be tough to stop. I mean, this series isn't going to be a bunch of 1-0 games. I don't right. expect it to be 5-4 every game. Right. But you're gonna. I mean, this is not. This is this is a better Toronto team than we've seen in years. And you know, last season you didn't play them because they were in the Canadian division. That's right. But you think back to the Toronto teams. This is the best Toronto team they've had. Mm. And it's it, you know it, all the computer. It's it's. I've read a lot of you know predictions and you know sure. So all the computer models and the you know give you the percentage chance that they're going to win this series and that Toronto's favored by about two to one. If you look Jeez. at all, if you look at all the writers and people That's that cover lot. the sport, it's about two to one in the opposite direction. <laughs> really? Is that different? Wow. Well, models don't take into account 
oh, the Lightning are the two-time Stanley Cup champs. Yeah, that's right. They don't take yep. into account that what Andre Vasilevsky's done in the playoffs and what Jack Campbell has or hasn't done. They don't take into account a lot. It just takes into account basically the stats from the season. And Toronto had a better season than the Lightning. Mm-hmm. No question about it. They they played better. They scored more points. They had more goals. They had a better season than the Lightning. That doesn't mean they're going to have better playoffs because experience does matter. You know, the playoffs to me are all about stopping those runs the other team makes. You know, there's going to be times where you don't have the puck and they do, and they're push, pushing. How do you stop that run? How quickly can you handle that and, and take control of the game and get it more on an even ground? And you're mm-hmm. going to have times where you're pushing, and they're going to, they're going to have to do that. And experience right. matters in those regards, not panicking in those situations. You know, you think about it. The Lightning, I mean, almost everyone on this team has won a Stanley Cup. It's true. I mean, even, you know, I mean, there's two players that have not played in the Stanley Cup f- playoffs before. Hagel and Paul, the two new guys. Right. But everybody else in this team, Corey Perry won a cup early in his career. He's new on this team this year. Very early, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, all of these guys. Belmar has lots of playoff experience. Over right. 50 games in his career. I mean, you know, you just look at the experience on this team and, and experience in winning games in the playoffs. And, and there's lots of it. So you like their chance. I mean... I still think the Lightning win this series. I think it's a dog fight. I could easily see it going seven games. Because I think Which Toronto's put it really back good. In Toronto, it yeah. would. But I think Toronto's really good. I'm mm-hmm. usually not one to pick a you know, in seven. That's kind of the cop out of a series. Right. Most series don't go seven. Right. You know, well, I don't really want to pick a winner, so I'll just say someone in seven, so it's, you know yeah. the other team wins three. I I, I generally Try not to do that. I mean, but this one, I, I, I'm really looking. There's, I'm really looking forward to the St. Louis Minnesota series in this series, in the first mm-hmm. round of the playoffs. I think both of these series are going to be fantastic. Yeah, a lot of skill, and and it's you know, I'm anxious to see because all this whole season has sort of come down to you know when you're when you've got back to back Stanley Cups, let's make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter where we're seated necessarily, but we're going to flip the switch. And you could see the momentum building. You could see them rounding into form with their quote unquote process. And um, Cooch came alive and Stammer, you know, uh, finished it off the way he did. Um, and for the most part, I think they're relatively healthy to what they have been in the past. And, and if anything else, um, Vasilevsky should be about as rested as they could make him because they did give him plenty of days off down the stretch. And so, you know, he's got to take it to another level, which he's always done in the postseason. So, you know, you're right. They don't fear anybody. It's just an opportunity to win three in a row. And, you know, Toronto, the difference is Toronto thinks it can win and hopes it can win, but the Lightning know they can win. And I think at this level, as long as you're healthy, and they're, like I said, they're relatively healthy, it won't stay that way for sure. I, I mean, yeah, everyone's take, available. There's nobody out for game one. That's the thing, man. I mean, it's you know, and and you had you know a year ago. I mean, Cooch was just going to play in the postseason. Like you mm-hmm. didn't know what are we getting. You know, how long before he rounds into form? Well, he's rounded into form this year, and he missed some games, but you could see him down the stretch. Like he's like like Stamps Coast said, he says you can tell the guy's feeling good, and that makes all the difference in the world. So. 
their best players are playing their best right now. Mm -hmm. And I think they're even going to take it to another gear because they know what that trying to win those 16 games is like. They've done it two years in a row uh, and they know how to play in those situations. So I think it, I think in this case, the, the experience matters as far as the playoffs go and what they're trying to accomplish. But let's be honest. It's, I mean, three in a row, man, mm -hmm. like the, the run's going to end at some point, you uh, know, well, and I will say this, the penalty kill, and staying away from the penalty kill is going to be very important. But they never and, do. Well, but but in the playoffs, they don't call as many penalties. Right. But right. the Lightning are one of the most penalized teams in hockey. And a lot of those penalties are things like tripping, high sticking. True. True. Those are penalties mm -hmm. they will call in the playoffs because you have to. I mean, your stick gets in the guy's yeah, feet. Yeah, you get a guy's face. Yeah. They don't call the interference as much. They don't call roughing and those kind of penalties as much see that hurts the lightning doesn't it i mean wasn't that always the thing is like you're real skilled and they call it a certain way during the season and you take advantage of the power play and then you get in the postseason they don't call anything it does although it's funny that uh toronto's coach sheldon keith on sunday i think preemptively to get the ref's attention yeah he did <laughs> talked about all the post whistle skirmishes the lightning have been in the playoffs <laughs> the last couple seasons in those yeah. and i went back and watched the tapes and that the Lightning are the ones starting all these scrums in this. Um, you know, working it's, the, oh, he's already shut working. Shut your yap. Yeah, he's, he's already starting to shut your yap, yes. That's right. Um, Where's Torts? Look, I, the, Lightning, the Lightning enjoy a physical game, and they play better generally when the game is physical. It gets um, them going, yeah. It, it gets their gears going. They, they can be a right. little, they can be a little uh, robotic out there mm -hmm. at times. You but know? throughout the season and throughout the years, they get a little lazy at times with their footwork, and that's when they start using the sticks trying to stop people, and that's when you get those tripping or the yeah, high sticks, like, and they yeah. get a lot of them, more than most teams. Yeah. And they have to avoid that against that power play. Right. That I mean, that's you give Toronto enough power plays, they're going to beat you in this series. The tee off, yeah. You know, you've got to limit the – you know, there are penalties that are okay to take, just like in football. There are certain pass interference penalties you're fine with. Oh, yeah. There are certain holding calls you're fine with. There sure. Are, you know, offsides? No. No. No pre-snap you know, stuff. Yeah. You know, those kind of things. I mean, you know, a hold, defensive holding call when you're nowhere near the ball and it's not coming your way, you don't like those. But, you know, you know, like I said, there are certain penalties it's okay, and you're going to get some interference. You're going to get some of those roughing calls and, and those kind of things. That's going to happen. But you can't get the, the, the stick penalties, the too many men on the ice. Yeah, Those kind yeah, of things that. that that you're just gifting them two minutes of power play time. That that's what you got to avoid. Yeah. How do you? What do you do against a great player like like a Matthews? Like because because maybe it's just the way he plays that the puck seems to find him and it seems to always be on his stick. But he always seems to like have space, right? Like you want to take away his space, but like you can't just say, all right. This guy follow him around all over the ice all day. So how do how do you how do you stop a great player like that? A great scorer when he's had his way with you. Well, you've bit. got you've got to be in his face. You can't yeah. give him the space. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's and, and it's going to be interesting what John Cooper does to match up against him. And on the road, it's harder, right? Because Toronto will get the yeah, last first change. Line but change, I mean, yeah. look at this shutdown line from the lines of practices today. Hegel Sorelli point. Mm. You think that's a good shutdown line? Mm. Yeah. Probably your two best guys to shut down, Point and Sorelli. Yeah. And then your second shutdown line is Colton Paul Kalorn. 
That's not bad either. So what you're going to do is try to get those two lines out as much as possible when Matthews is on the ice. Yeah. You know, you don't want the Stamkos line on, on there with Kucherov right. and Palat. And you don't want right. the Belmar, Maroon, and Perry because they're not fast enough to keep up with that line. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's can you get your, your two lines, in whatever numbers you want to put on, second, third line, whatever. But now that Point and Kucherov are split off for now, I mean, we mm-hmm. know they'll change lines a lot. I also wonder if at some point they don't try to go 11 and 7 in this series to get some of those forwards out there more and to allow some different matchups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think they'll start that way. And, and the question is, how much confidence do you have in Cal Foot to be out there? Although if you're playing seven defensemen, he's not going to play a ton of time. Right. So it'll be yeah. – I mean, but that's the thing in a series. And what makes it different than the regular season is, one, every team's on the same amount of rest. Correct. Two, you're really scouting this team. How you yeah, want you to are. stop this player, how you want to shoot on the goalie, how you want to defend mm-hmm. this and this. And then you're making adjustments game Adjustments, game. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in the regular season, you're in and out of cities, and okay, we want to shoot high on this goalie and we want to, you know, limit the space on the X player. But you're not really game planning specifically. You're not, you know, you're focused more on what you do in the regular season right. than what they do. In the playoffs, it changes, which is one of the reasons. I th- you know, I think goal scoring goes down. I think some of the officiating's a little bit, and there's less power plays. But a lot of it is is you're scouting and making adjustments throughout a series, and that that benefits the defense more than the, the offense. Okay, we're seeing what they're doing now. We're going to stop that. Right. We're going to change this and change this to stop that. And and so I think that's what happens in playoffs, and which is what makes them compelling in that. And there'll be lots of talk of momentum from one game to the next. For the players, there isn't. The momentum is the next puck drop. Yeah. You know, I think confidence can go in a series. You know, if a Lions hum in, they're going to have confidence going in the next game. But momentum, for the fans, there's more momentum than there is the players from game to game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, yeah, to your point, I think it's, it, it, it's an equalizer when you're you're playing the same amount of rest and mm-hmm. going on the road as much as the other guy, and you know, um, you know, no one's playing. You're not playing back to back. Where the other yeah, team yeah. has a day off, like it, it's it's pretty even that way. And the adjustments they make between games, you know, is what matters, and that's what coaching matters. And you got a two time Stanley Cup champion and John Cooper. I mean, all those things should should come to play. But I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing is the health. And how long can you stay that way? You know, this is the other thing, like. It's a war of attrition. With the time these guys win a Stanley Cup, they look like they've been to battle for real. You know what I mean? Like these guys are, um, you know, go go through quite a bit of punishment by the by the time they get to the to the you know Stanley Cup Finals. So um, they've got to have some luck with injuries. You can't lose certain guys, and you know that's all part of it. And you got to be smart and you know stay out of the box. And 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 I think what I've also discovered about the postseason is scoring first matters. Mm-hmm. You know, you're jumping out on a team because these are cl- tightly checked games. These are not going to be, for the most part, you don't see as many high-scoring games. And so, you know, getting that first goal put a lot of panic in the other team, and it can certainly settle you down. So you'd like to see them all get off to good starts. And I think I think Vassy helps with that too. So um, I'm excited. I can't, you know, boy, these three years, it, it seems like it got here fast. I know it didn't. But here we are back in the postseason again, and it's just been, you know, 
a, a wild ride, man, for them to, you know, to have won it twice and mm-hmm. once in a bubble and um, once with limited fans and, and you know, uh, never in Canada except, you know, when they were in the bubble. So it's it's everything's different now. And well, it should and be if, great. If, if you're not certain if you want to watch game one, and the Rays play late, they're going to play at 930 tonight. So it'll start right. a couple hours open. afterwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The last two Stanley Cup playoff runs, the Lightning's game ones was a five-overtime game against Columbus. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and then that 6-5 wild game against the Panthers last year. Yeah. That was – it was the most entertaining, insane blood playoff bath. game. you've Yeah, bloodbath that yeah. you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and it was it was like, wow. I mean, if the playoffs are going to be like this, sign me up more often oh, and yeah. all the time. I mean, it Well, was, you know they will be. They're the most mm-hmm. stressful things in the world for fans. And I got two girls that are going to sit yep. here and die with every, you know, yep. every face off. So And look, don't, I don't think don't think Steven Stamkos doesn't want to go up to Toronto and put on a show. Oh. Oh. And don't think those Toronto fans know he's going to try to do well, that too. And don't think they're not scared of that. Sure they are. And I would be too. Look what he mm-hmm. look how he's playing. Mm-hmm. And he he's a superstar and and I mean you know, this is this is big time for him to go back there and, and, and play this Toronto team too. Yep. So it's gonna be fun, man. I mean this is the it's the best postseason, bar none. I yes. don't, I know I covered the NFL. I know baseball is a lot of fun too. There is nothing like the Stanley Cup finals. Um it's every other day, uh the most highest intensity you can imagine for for you know, every period, every every puck possession means something. Um, certainly every goal does, and it, it's a war of attrition. It's like who's going to survive this physically, mentally, all that stuff, man. And these teams really get after it because, frankly, there's no tomorrow, and they all want the same thing. They all want the Stanley Cup, and if you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, they got to take the crown off your head. You know, you're not dead yet. You've won two in a row. They're all gunning for you. You're cool with it. You've been in that position before, um, and like I said, they're healthy. So I'm – I'm looking forward to it, but it's stress. It is stressful to watch, and you know you've got some late nights ahead of you. I've got some late nights ahead of we me. We got some late recording ahead of us. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And depending on how many overtimes those games go, <laughs> maybe we won't do any. Uh, maybe we'll have afternoon recordings and say yeah. we'll talk to you about the lightning some other day. But yeah, so that's. Uh, but the, the Rays, as you mentioned, uh, not a good finish to their series against Minnesota, to say the least. Um, they had kind some of a errors. bitter taste at the end of the homestand. I mean, you started four yeah. and two, you won the first two series. Yeah. Then you win game one against the Twins, so now you're which they, five which and they two. hadn't been doing. They yeah. had not been winning the first game of a series. They've been winning the last two. You're five and two. Shane McClanahan pitched well. Uh, maybe yeah. went one batter too many. One too on many Saturday, yeah. and then it fell apart after that. And then Sunday, just from the first uh, batter, where t- Taylor Walls oh. sailed one over Harold Ramirez's head, and the route was yeah. on. Yeah, he can't do that. He's got five errors in like twenty something games, and um, he was back at his position as short. But yeah, he's they got to play better defense. You can't fall behind like that. Um, I tell you what, Minnesota they 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 hit the ball the last two two days. They hit it all over the park. They had fourteen hits, I think, on Sunday, and the Rays, as it turns out, were pretty fortunate just to get one out of that. Now they go on the road to Oakland, where the A's played them well and then they've also got seattle and then and then the angels and joe madden so the good thing is it's the only west coast trip this year so after this they stay in eastern or central time the rest of the the year so get that out of the way 
and yeah. you don't you're not playing the NL West at all. None of those teams. So one trip out west, get it done early. That's nice. That's nice. They did make a transaction which surprised me. Josh Lowe went down, and I didn't see that coming necessarily. I didn't either. Although, so first of all, the baseball because of the short spring training expanded the right. rosters to twenty eight players for the first month. Right. So by today, you have to reduce your roster from twenty eight to twenty six, which is the roster for the season. So two players had to go out. Uh, they announced on Sunday that Josh Lowe was being optioned to AAA. I equate this to like Willie Adamas when he came up. And when they brought him up, it was middle of the season, but they brought him up to keep him up here. Yeah. And he started off okay and then went into a pretty bad slump and just wasn't hitting anything, even had some defensive lapses along the way. And eventually they just said, go down to Durham, work on your game. And, you know, I don't remember if it was a month, month and a half later, whatever it was. He got things on track in Durham, was hitting, feeling well. They brought him back up, and then at that point he stayed and, mm-hmm. and, and performed much better. I think that's what they're hoping to do with Josh Lowe here. Just go down to AAA, get your yeah. confidence back, you know, relax, you know, you, you know this. You have enough outfielders. I mean, we went in the season with six, if you count Harold Ramirez as one. Mm-hmm. So they have enough outfielders. They needed the, the roster spot, and, and they have, still have to make another move today to get down to 26. So I, – I don't worry about, I mean, you know, you don't like to see it. You know, he's shown some, he's shown you why they believe in him. You've seen some of that while he's been up here. Yeah. You know, but go down, get your confidence back. And then, you know, what is it? Three, four weeks, six weeks, whatever it will be. You'll be back up here for an injury, maybe sooner. But, you know, it's happened sometimes with young players. You know what people are saying, though. You know this, and I haven't checked to see what he's doing, if anything. Mm -hmm. But everyone's going, "Uh uh-huh. So you didn't want Meadows, huh? Mm-hmm. You didn't. You didn't. You thought yeah, he was course. expendable because of Josh Lowe, and now he's not even in the majors. Mm-hmm. So how do you like Meadows now? It's a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. And, and, I mean, we'll see if if that was the right move or not. It, you know, we're, it's one month in the season. You're not making a judgment on that. Josh right. Lowe has shown you flashes of what they see in him and why they think he can be an All Star player. He's a young player that. You know, sometimes you need it. You know, okay, you came up here, you did some things, and now pitchers are making adjustments to you. You're facing better players than you've ever faced in your life every night, every at bat. Right. Right. And sometimes you just need to step back for a minute, take the pressure off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, relax, get back in a groove, and then come back. And and look, getting sent down does not make you hungrier. Would make me. I'd be. I'd be ticked off. Is what I'd be mm-hmm. because I, I mean, you know, you. You you had lots of expectations. They they basically got rid of a player for you to create the room for you. You were the up and coming guy. You got off to a tough start. Actually, been hitting the ball better of late. Had his mm-hmm. first home run in this series. Yep. Um, I think he had another hit on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, swinging it a little bit better. And he's and he may have been thinking, look, I'm starting to come out of it a little bit. And then boom, he's going to find himself down in Durham. Yeah, I'd, that would hack me off, man. I'd go out there like a ball of fire. And just wear out some people in AAA, which is what he needs to do. Um, but I'm with you. If, if the Adamas comparison holds, uh, they will wait, and, and when they bring him back up, it'll be for good. Mm-hmm. It won't be, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna run the Durham shuttle with you all year. Um, we're gonna leave you down there until we think you're ready. When you come back, um, you're gonna have a place to play, and, you, and and we're not sending you, we're not yo-yoing you back and forth. So one other one is Randy Rosarino has been struggling. Yes, mightily. But every at-bat on Sunday and his last at-bat Saturday, 
hard hit balls. He finally got he some hits on Sunday. He did. Yeah. You're starting to see that that sound off the bats a lot better. Some of them have been out, but the the exit velocities are 105 plus on the balls now. That's what you want to see out of him. And that's how you yeah. you know, I know Dave and Andy were talking about it Saturday night and, and starting Sunday of he's hitting the ball harder now. That's a good sign. That's when a player is getting ready to come out of a slump. That they're getting yeah. their confidence back. They're seeing the ball, they're barreling it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, some of them are outs. It happens in baseball, but that sound is back. It's not the weaker hit balls. Right. It's you know that's what you want to see out of Rosarine. You hope it that going into Oakland now and in, in this road trip he can really start to turn it on because this is the worst slump we've seen him in. It was it was horrendous to watch. It's hard to watch when a guy's struggling like that. A lot of swing and miss. Uh, he came up the other day with the bases loaded um, and I think either made the last out or one of the last outs. Yeah, it's been it's been tough. And look, there's a lot of expectations on him. He's not. In the major league level, for the Rays at least, he hadn't experienced any prolonged, you know, slumps and things. He's just, you know, been the opposite. So, seeing him fight out of it is good. And boy, do they need him! Like the, the part of the equation for them to win is that a Rosarena is a Rosarena, and not the version that he's put out there the first month of the season. So, hopefully, that gets him going. And sometimes you just, you, you know, you just need to remember who you are. Like he. You, you know, it's such a confidence thing. You can hit a ball on the screws, and if it's caught, you go back up there, you press a little bit more. And I think he, I think the first thing you see that goes is they swing at bad pitches and they let good pitches go by. That's the first That's the first thing you see, man, is guys are either over-anxious um, or, you know, they're just not seeing the ball and reacting to it because they let too many strikes. And they're always hitting 0-2. Um, you know, they're always trying to protect with two strikes. Like, you know, when you're going bad, it's all bad. And that's kind of where he's been. He's been in this funk. It's weird to watch, but it looks like he might be coming out of it. If he does, he can carry your team for a month. Like, he can get white hot. And we've seen it in the postseason. We've seen it during the regular season. Um, this guy is, is, was, has been a great hitter for them, and, and he needs to be. Like, the lineup doesn't work um, if he's going to struggle like that. So um, that was maybe the best sign in, in what was – Otherwise, two really bad losses there at the end of that series against the Twins, who are pretty good. They've got they can rake. They got some guys that can spread the ball around, man. Um, they're not bad at all. So we'll see what the Rays do on the West Coast. We'll see how the Lightning do tonight against Toronto. Uh, this week we'll have uh, you know more information uh, probably on the Bucks if they you know add to their roster at all. We'll be talking to their assistant coaches this week as well. So still got more going on with the draft. Minicamp is is next, not this coming weekend, the weekend after that. So we'll be able to actually see and uh, watch the uh, Bucks rookies run around out there and do some things in the Underwear Olympics, and so that'll be fun. So we got lots coming up for you this week, some late nights with the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll be here on Sports Day TV uh, for your uh, podcast pleasure, so make sure you check us out. Show prep Tampa Bay for Tampa Bay Media. There you go. For Steve Burstink, I am Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.